Are you looking for a great podcast for your drive to work? Do you want to laugh so hard the beer shoots out of your nose? Hopefully, those aren't happening at the same time. But you've come to the right place. You're listening to the Cozy History Podcast. Welcome, 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 everyone. This is the Cozy History Podcast. We are... uh, we are on episode, I don't know which one. We've kind of posted in a different order than usual. We wanted to get the Christmas episode out in time for the holidays. I'm joined here with Sam. Uh, he's going to educate you all on a interesting topic today. Actually, I don't even know if it's interesting or not, but knowing us, I'm sure it will be. I hope everyone had a great Christmas season, holiday season, a great New Year Sam, did you have a nice New Year? I had a fabulous New Year with great friends, uh, you know, great drinks, good dancing. Um, you know, you got to dance. You got to break You gotta break the suit in a little bit, you know. You gotta, but now I'm doing dry January. I'm drinking a, a cold. I am too. I'm drinking an ice cold uh, lime flavored seltzer. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the OG water. Oh, shit. The plain seltzer. I hope our listeners are doubling down on their liquor and beer consumption to try and compensate for our sobriety this month. Yeah, please. Not that it's going to be rough, but we're going to have to use our imagination a little bit. I don't know. We're recording this on about midnight of January 4th, and I'm already like, damn, I wish I had a drink right now. But that's just because, you know, hey, workers got to, you work hard, you play hard. Absolutely. So. And... The podcast does pair well with a nice uh, Pinot Grigio, if you know what I'm saying. (laughs) With multiple forms of the Pinot, you know, you can really Mm -hmm. have a blast while you're... Well, I'll tell you what, that goes... That's that's really wonderful that you said that, Austin. Because we're drinking and our listeners are drinking. We are going to plan to have this out in January. Um, Absolutely. If all goes well, don't hold me to this, Austin or the listeners. We're going to release a Genghis Khan episode. Hopefully the one you listen to before you listen to this, and then you'll listen to this one right here. Um, the Genghis Khan episode, how would you describe Genghis, Austin? I'd say that he is one of the most courageous men ever to walk this earth. Honestly. And there's been a lot of them before us. He is a true rags-to-riches story. That's for sure. Someone who actually got it out the mud, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I think he also got some stuff in while he was in the mud as well. He was doing a lot of stuff in the mud. Apparently, he did a lot of copulating because (laughs) a little hint to our listeners, there wasn't in vitro fertilization back then. There wasn't. So he did it the old-fashioned way. That's a good uh, That's a good lead over to what we're going to be talking about today, the old-fashioned way. And I wanted to give, I already dropped a hint to you earlier, Austin. I wanted to give you another hint. So if you were... uh, you ever heard of a of a little guy called Osmosis Jones? Yeah, it's Will Smith, isn't it? it? I believe it is Will Smith. Yeah, or Chris Tucker, probably Will Smith. He's a detective, right? In the body, <laughs> he's a detective in the body. Yeah, and he's trying to chase out all the stuff that we love, nicotine, you know, alcohol, whatever. And he's making sure that that you know doesn't get in the body. So today. We're going to be talking about our own Osmosis Jones, except this one is set in Victorian London. 
This Sherlock Holmes. Yes, sir. This episode. Wow. We got a regular Sherlock Holmes on our hands right here. (laughs) My brain is quicker than ever. Yeah. Four days without. Four days without alcohol. Any Modellos? Actually, it's probably because I still have some residual Modelo in my system that I was able to get that so quick. Someone actually told me that they thought they were sick because they hadn't been drinking. Their body didn't have enough nutrients. Suck it up, coward. (laughs) I was like, okay, wow. You, you definitely have withdrawals. But anyway, we're talking about a guy today, like like Austin, deduced. You'll be Sherlock and I'll be Watson for this episode. I'll tell the story and you can deduce the next uh, clue. How's that? Elementary. Elementary, my dear Watson. He climbed in through the fire escape. You can see by the paw prints. He's a raccoon. <laughs> He's a raccoon. <laughs> the thief is a raccoon. <laughs> he went straight for the garbage. Okay, great. That is your deduction was correct. How does he do it? It is Sherlock Holmes. We're talking about Sherlock Holmes. I'll dive into it. But we're not even really talking about Holmes today. We're talking about the mind behind Holmes. We're talking about Arthur Conan Doyle. So we'll dip. We'll mm. dip into. Um, you know, it's a little bit of a change for us. Usually we go death, destruction, pillaging. Today we're going to take it to a little bit of a classier time. Uh, but it, but it's a really interesting, really, really interesting story. Uh, I'll just give you a hint. Harry Houdini makes a cameo. I couldn't... I have absolutely no clue. I'm sure as you see more clues, you'll deduce exactly what happens. Okay. <laughs> An incredible escape story. An incredible story. escape story. Is that where we're going after? An escape from reality. So, Arthur Conan Doyle, he's actually born the 22nd of May, 1859. And uh, he's not actually English. As anyone who is from Scotland will tell you, they're not English, they're Scottish. So, Conan, uh, excuse me, yeah, Arthur is born in Edinburgh, Scotland, 1859. So, for those of you keeping track, this is right before the American Civil War. That doesn't come into the story at all. <laughs> just a little anecdote just a, for our just listeners. Just a little, just to put you in the right frame of mind. Uh, and it's really interesting. We, we've been talking about Dry January. So, uh, Arthur's father, Charles Doyle, actually, he dealt quite a bit with alcoholism. And it would actually kill him, uh, kill him, you know, within a couple of years. But because of his father's struggle with Modelo's, the family moves around a lot. So he gets a little bit of a rough and tumble childhood, but and I'll be honest too, I'm sure they weren't drinking that glorious Modelo back then. You were getting that dirty Scotch, baby. You're drinking it straight from the barrel. Mm-hmm. You're drinking like they didn't have the luxuries we do today. You're, you're drinking gin and dirty water, and probably having sex with a lot of prostitutes that have syphilis. Sounds like a. <laughs> Great Friday night. Saturday night. Yeah, but they didn't have penicillin back then, so. Yeah. And that's another modern luxury that we live with. To all of our viewers, thank you for cracking that beer you just cracked. I heard it. And uh, also, go and get yourself a penicillin shot. Yeah. Yeah, just enjoy. Just get it, even if you don't need it. Just enjoy living in modern times when we can cure uh, most things. Um, mm-hmm. but Charles didn't live, or excuse me, Charles, Charles died of alcoholism, but Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, you know, obviously his father's a deadbeat, a lot like, uh, you know, you and I would be if we hadn't abandoned our ways and started a podcast. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But th- this podcast has led us to find God and prosperity. Thanks to his wealthy uncles, Arthur Conan Doyle, he's sent to England. He's educated at a religious prep school. He didn't hate it, but he did say um, that in this prep school and a lot of times in education at that time period, there's a lot of corporal punishment, as in like whipping the kids, and there's also a lot of ritual humiliation. So I'm thinking very skull and bones, you know, you know, maybe like someone dresses up in a dark robe. God knows what they actually do to you. Um, he probably didn't make much noise when he farted. I invite our viewers to ask if you have a grandparent that still has their wits about him. You couldn't be a little goofball in school back in the day. My dad has talked about he was raised in a Catholic school and he even talks about getting beat by the like. They tell you to put your hands on the desk and they take a ruler and just smack your knuckles. And that's, I don't know. What I that thought was. that was Maybe just, I didn't 60, even think that that 70s? was, I thought that was just in movies. Wow. Oh, even our grandparents were just getting straight up beat in school. Yeah. It, the teachers, you'd walk into the school with bruises. Nowadays, we'd call that an abusive parent. Most likely something along those lines. But instead of the teacher calling child protective services they'd say i wonder what this little bastard's doing at home (laughs) they'd beat you again you get the second beating at school with a little note that says hey i took care of it for you don't worry they didn't uh they didn't do virtual learning back then you just went to school and died of yellow fever Mm -hmm. the good old days back before the libification of of our society uh but as we said (laughs) The libification. The libification of society. It. It's turning the frogs gay. This is a Christian podcast now, remember. Yeah, we're going to take this podcast alt-right. We're going to do a full season of just alt-right topics. Um, but Doyle, this is going to be a really, this is a really interesting story. I'll, I'll kind of skip forward a little bit in his life. So he's at this religious school. He goes to several religious schools. Then in 1867 to 1881, he studies medicine at the University of, University of Edinburgh Medical School. And this is when he begins to write short stories. In 1880, he was the doctor on a whaling ship called Hope, and he goes on to serve on several other ships as a doctor as well. Uh, Something to think about real quick with our listeners, Edinburgh at the time, Edinburgh, Scotland, was a center for medical treatment. It was considered some of the best medical schools in the world. So Conan Doyle was around some of the smartest doctors and the smartest people in the world at this time. So Very he's there, like I said, he's there for four years. He uh, serves a couple stints on ships as ship's doctors, which has got to be crazy in the 1880s. And um, at this point, also, he becomes a supporter of vaccines. Uh, like we said, the Edinburgh, you know, College of uh, University of Edinburgh was extremely progressive at the time. So that he supported vaccines. He actually supported universal mandated vaccines. Um I will say because we are an alt right podcast, you know we all know that the vaccines are literally a little, a little questionable. There, yeah. Mister Fauci, Fauci of the Fauci. East. That's what they used to call him. If I if I gave him a nickname, be like the Fauci of the East. This guy. Everyone knows China. Pays I'll read him. your books. China's paying him. I don't know how, but in Bi- China's paying Fauci in Bitcoin. But we'll, you heard it here, but, folks. Yeah, that's the first time it's ever. The story's breaking right now on Cozy History Podcast. 
Um, but this is before Bitcoin, obviously. This is 1882. At this point, Conan Doyle has formed a medical practice of his own, but it's unsuccessful. He starts writing stories again as he's waiting for patients to come in. In 1885, shortly after he starts writing again, he marries his wife, Louisa. A year later, uh, they begin to, you know, try. they start trying to have a kid. They're, you know, trying to make it work. And at this point, his first home story is published. It's called A Study in Scarlet. And a lot of these names, I'll talk about a few other names, but some of them are going to sound familiar because these are the, the ones that we often see recreated. Like in the BBC show with Benedict Cumberbatch and in the movies with um, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some... I was thinking you were going to mention Killian Murphy as well. I'm sure there's been some adaptations with him. Oh, have there? That'd be cool. I didn't know that. Let's get the. I mean, I'm just the fact checkers saying this off the head. Let's call Netflix. Dale, Dale's asleep. Keep going. Dale's nodding off. He took too much heroin. <laughs> oh my god! Get the Narcan, Dale, Dale, Dale. <laughs> Somehow it's never too much with him. Yeah, he's he's never actually OD'd. He can't OD. Um. You know who we would call if Dale was ODing? Arthur Conan Doyle. He could help save him. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. So he per- he publishes his first home story in 1886 called The Study in Scarlet. He bases Sherlock Holmes, who is this famous master of deduction. I mean, I'm sure we're all familiar with it. It's like what Austin did in the beginning. He says, he climbed in the window and he left a small gray hair, you know, in the edge of the window and it's a raccoon. I deduced it, and I know where the raccoon lives and what the raccoon ate for breakfast. So, he, yeah. so he's this master of deduction. He uses small clues to form these big to solve crimes. But he, it's kind of cool. He bases this character on his former university teacher Joseph Bell, um, who was just a, this like savant. It's kind of like the guys who really like trains. You familiar with those mm. guys? They know every single type of train. They'll hear the sound of a train coming and say, "It's a, it's a Thomas, uh, 1947. <laughs> they swapped out the, they swapped out the muffler. It's a original coal engine." <laughs> and then they see, and then it starts coming. They get really, really excited and piss their pants. Like, oh my god, oh, I was right, I was right. I love those. I guys. do too. Their videos. Um, I'm glad that some of them are making good money on TikTok. This guy who Holmes is based on is kind of like that, I, I imagine. Um, he's just this like really smart uh, medical doctor who uses like deduction and reasoning in his medical practice and was just known as being very cerebral. So he bases Holmes on this guy. It's so funny because apparently some of his friends wrote wrote in and said, is this based on him? Like it was almost an exact, you know, you know, it's it sounds like a on. smart, extremely, hey, extremely smart. I'll tell you what: if uh, we ever turn to cannibalism, I'd like to eat a smart cookie like that. This guy's, this guy's brain. Yeah, makes you smart. Okay, I believe that. Yeah. The vaccine is bad, but cannibalism makes you smart. Uh, so, as Doyle <laughs> said, most detective stories at the time rely on luck or just the criminals being complete fucking dumbasses. So he wants to create something that's a little funnier. Um, and that's not funnier, but that's a little bit more smart. You know, he wants to create a smart detective, not just kind of some bullshit story. Uh, he goes on actually to write over 50 home stories. He kind of eventually hates him though. He's like, I'm tired of writing this guy. So he attempts to raise his price, like 
beyond what anyone would ever pay for a story. But Holmes was so popular that all the publishers went ahead and agreed to pay the price of the books. He becomes one of the best paid authors, like, ever. He's essentially the J.K. Rowling with even more transphobia. I'm sure, and I'm sure he never commented on it, but back then they weren't too friendly to people who wanted to do that type of thing. No, they weren't. So, except J.K. Rowling's Rowling, I don't know how to say her name. She's not welcome on this podcast. Uh, She's not cozy. Especially because the end of Harry Potter made no sense. (laughs) I'm just kidding. There was no way that Dumbledore was gay, uh, all right? He was obviously straight. (laughs) He was straight. He was looking at Hermione the whole time. (laughs) Is that fucked up? That's fucked up. (laughs) Dumbledore Uh, was a pedophile. He wasn't gay. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ. We're really embracing Um, the alt-right on this pod. (laughs) I was going to say something, but... (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it was me. It was me. So to get back into Sam's getting something out of a nice little pack. A nice right little pack. Oh, he's eating a little snack. Uh, nice little, little snack, snack, a little something. Mmm, sour, <laughs> sour gummy. So Doyle, gummy. <laughs> Doyle goes on to create a ton of these stories. He ends up becoming one of the most best-paid authors of all time in 1893. He's so frustrated about oh, this Holmes guy, right? So he, you know, ends up writing a story. And he throws Holmes and his nemesis Moriarty off um, this giant waterfall. This was in. This was also in the, the uh, you know the movies with Robert Downey Jr. Essentially killing Holmes mm-hmm. off, but everyone got so mad that he brought him back in 1903. Was that four years later? Ten years later. Ten years later. Oh wow! But I like that. that I appreciate be, uh... that he's just like fuck it. I'll 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 kill this best selling, you know, best best selling character off. I wonder what he disliked about home so much. I think it's seems like a well, nice little. I think it's like when you're in a relationship for a long time, and you just kind of write everything is the same. There's you yep. know you're not you're not shaking it up. You're not putting any new moves out there. No one's cooking any good food really. You know you're just kind of stuck in a rut. I think he was stuck in a rut. Something I heard recently too is uh, the term audition phase with relationships. <laughs> Really? The audition, audition phase where where you think of the first date you go on with a woman and you go, oh, let's go to this um, painting class that's at a waterfall. And that's your first date. And the second date is, oh, let's go do pottery. You know, you're you're getting real creative. And then once you're in a relationship, your girlfriend suggests something like, Let's go to let's go out to eat tonight, and you go. Why would we go out to eat? We have perfectly good food in the apartment, <laughs> and it's it's not special anymore to go over to her place. You just do that because your place is a mess. Yeah, like it's she has back and, and forth. she has all the stuff that you can like cook with, and you you have like one pot and no mm-hmm. groceries. Yeah, wow. It's like the audition phase. It's it's real, yeah. and you some. <laughs> it was mentioned too, like. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go home and uh and read a book and fall asleep. But in reality, you're going home and playing FIFA or you're playing Call of Duty <laughs> for X amount of hours. 
Yeah, you're just you know being you're being a degenerate with your friends, but you say, "Oh, it's my buddy's uh, it's my buddy's birthday. I really want to celebrate with him." She won't like that either. If you're already past the old, once she once she once she meets the once she, she meets, meets him, him <laughs> she's like, "This guy's horrible." She realizes she does the calculations in her head and goes, "I know exactly what he was doing when he said that." Oh, we uh, you know, we watched a bunch of videos of uh drone strikes and <laughs> <laughs> we listen we listened to british rap music until five in the morning just to, just because we were talking we just talked <laughs> for hours <laughs> uh, for hours so let's just say that this so let's just say here that arthur conan doyle he got past the um audition phase of the relationship with holmes and he got to the part where he was basically lying about where he was going and uh, mm-hmm. threw him off a cliff, brought him back 10 years later because he was just worth too much damn money. Uh, but he also wrote a lot of other stuff like science fiction, historical fiction. some, And then we'll talk about what he does later in life. And he get, he goes down a really weird path, which is why I love it. But first, before we get into that, let's talk about his personal life real quick. So he marries, obviously he marries um, his first wife, I believe it was Louisa. Yeah, in 1885. Um she dies in about 1906, 1907, and he marries um, his second wife, Jean. And inter- this is so interesting. He had been in love with Jean for 10 years, but out of respect for his wife, he waited until his wife died to marry Jean. Out of respect for his wife, he waited until they she died. They never had sex. Apparently, they probably had you sex. You couldn't have said it better. Yeah, you said they're trying to have kids. Well, they, it's not like there's some up having, real He ended up having five. He ended up having five kids. Um, so it wasn't his. Well, we don't. We don't side of no. That. They they he and his first his first wife had some kids too. But I kind of feel like she may have come down with some sort of like, you know, one of those old timey sicknesses that kills you slowly over a period of like twenty years. You just waste mm-hmm. away in like a bed somewhere. It's like back in the old days when they used to lock their wives up in that the attic. And, yeah. and don't don't go in the attic. He's trying to he's trying to get the devil out of her. And then eventually he was a doctor. Who knows? Maybe he did it himself. Maybe he was slowly poisoning her. But uh, in 1907, he marries his second wife, Jean. Ooh, another breaking news story. He marries uh, his wife, Jean. Um, he had been in love with her for many years, but they finally get together once his wife dies. Maybe he shoved her down the steps. I don't know. So he ends up having five slowly kids slowly over the period of 20 years. <laughs> right. One step at a time. One step. It was really slow to... Um, but he marries Gene, you know, and between both of his wives, he has about five kids. Personally, he also loved shooting. He was a real, uh, you know, man's man. Something that Austin and I also enjoy, going out there sh- shooting and... Uh, uh, Absolutely. Just testing ourselves. After the British had a poor showing in the Boer War, uh, which, you know, I encourage the listeners to look it up. It's really interesting. After the British have a poor showing in the Boer War... He actually constructs a rifle club near his home so that local men can come to this club and practice shooting because he thinks that, you know, the soldiers aren't, aren't worth soft. a damn anymore. Yeah, so he's basically like training these guys. Um, he's an, also an amateur boxer. He plays a lot of golf. He also loves uh, billiards, which, you know, if you're not familiar with billiards, it's basically like pool. It's very similar to pool. Um he also, this is so interesting and weird, he was a judge for the world's first bodybuilding competition. Interesting. Yeah. He sounds like a very heterosexual man, but yeah, that's good for him. 
He just liked looking at strong men. Yeah, I guess so. He just invited all these dudes, these local local young men to his house to shoot rifles and he stood behind <laughs> them. Flex. No, buddy, you're you're holding it. Let me let me show you how to hold that gun. You need to move your buttocks. He places <laughs> both hands on the flex both ass cheeks. I'm gonna monitor them to see how well you can flex them. The fleshy posterior of a nineteen year old man. You know, it's kind of sad because talking about um, the fleshy posteriors of 19-year-old men, um, this is about doing. the time, at about this time, talking about the fleshy young men, about this time, World War One is breaking out. Damn. And for those of you familiar with World War One, probably all of you, um, you know, the American, the U.S., they had quite a bit of, of casualties, but they came into the war very, very late. Um, you know, you had years and years of, of hard fighting between the British and the French and the Germans, um, you know, for, for many years before this, even, and, and the Russians before this. And Doyle's son... Are, the Russians had like a year or two. Quitters. Just kidding. Yeah. Shout out Tsar Nicholas, dude. Gone too soon. Anyway, so um, at this point um, during World War One, when all these young men are dying and so much craziness is going on and the world seems to kind of be ending, Doyle's son Kingsley dies in World War I. Uh, his son died of pneumonia after being wounded at the Battle of the Somme. Uh, and apparently it was a really horrible wound. He basically laid in a hospital bed for two years and then died of pneumonia. Jesus. Yeah, it's it's just fucking horrible. Uh, several other family members also died. You know, his I think it was his his cousin or his, one of them was his brother, and then um, several other like nephews also died. Um, at this point, he gets really into spiritualism, and I'll kind of explain what spiritualism is real quick. Spiritualism is essentially like this idea that through mediums and through, you know, various ways, uh, you know, like seances, we can contact the dead. Basically, it's it's the belief that you can contact, you know, a higher plane of existence. Okay. Uh, now, Doyle had always been kind of interested in spiritualism. He had gotten pretty into it early on. He did something called a thought transfer transference experiment with one of his friends. It's where one of you thinks of one word, you write it down, and then the other person tries to guess that word guesses it mm -hmm. apparently he had done this experiment with a friend early on in his medical career and they had like kept guessing the same words over and over so at that point he's kind of wondering oh you know this there could be something here over time he starts going to seances with mediums mediums are people who can supposedly talk to the dead and he starts to kind of experiment with telepathy and stuff like that um and he starts believing ghosts as well so at one point he actually is a ghost hunter uh, and I thought it would be a kind of an interesting thing, Austin, for you and I, if we could do a thought transfer transference experiment. Okay. Okay. So we'll do two rounds. I'll write a word, you guess, and then we'll swap roles, okay? Okay. okay. Take a drink of your water, everybody. Take a drink of your beer. And uh, I'm going to write my word down real quick. Torture. That is uh, 11 a.m. This is from a while ago. Is it? Okay. So. We're not going to cut that out. Sorry. No, guys. It's, we're just not getting cut out. I was just this looking at my. Straight. I was looking at my notepad. So I've got my word written down. 
And um, you go ahead and guess. How many guesses do I get? You get three guesses. And I'll tell you, it's not one word, it's two words. Like thought experiment or... Stormtrooper. No, no. You're not too far off in a weird way, but no. Military man. So if you were a stormtrooper on the planet Hoth, which is very cold, you might find this in your pants. Small dick. <laughs> it's actually dick popsicle. <laughs> Any. That's one word. Okay. So I did dick popsicle. That's got? so random, but that's what I put. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I bet Conan Doyle would have gotten that one. Jesus. He would have. <laughs> uh, we just need to practice more. We do. Okay. We do. Um, Okay. Oh, I got mine. All right, start guessing. It's two words. One thing. Lemon juicer. No. Close. Not really, no. but. Banana hammock. Close again. You're thinking too far along your original uh your original guessing. Um ooh. Give me one hint. Animal. Kangaroo pouch. Close. <laughs> what is sea otter? Oh shit. Sea otter. That's a good one. I bet you were probably in the back of your mind though, you were picturing a sea otter. I actually it. was. We're gonna let's edit this so that we guessed it. <laughs> It was a sea otter. <laughs> not even, not even. We actually, to our listeners, we didn't even show each other the notes. No, we, we, we didn't. Totally we totally could have. I mean, clearly we didn't. <laughs> we should have. <laughs> because we took a while to guess. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, uh. Oh, anyway, damn. so he's well, into no, the that, That's what makes it even so crazier is that, like, you and I write down shit like Dick Popsicle and Sea Otter, and we're like, we don't know what the fuck we're doing. But Conan Doyle does the same experiment with a friend gets it right and then just fully buys in to all of this spiritualism um so of course he keeps on going in he believes in ghosts he works as a ghost hunter which would be a really cool show i would watch a reality show of like old-timey people hunting ghosts Mm -hmm. but after his son dies and all of his family die during world war one he really really gets into spiritualism he renounces christianity completely which was not done back then. Completely. Not that was not yeah, yeah. was not done at all back then. Rounds is completely damn near put you to death yeah. for that. He was actually challenged by the cult by the church. So I called it the cult. Uh so it's really it's really for challenged him for being part of the occult. Yeah. Um it, it's I mean, interesting though because at this time they have um as I said, you know, they get he gets into spiritualism, but a whole lot of other people do too. So at one point they have this like massive stadium full of people doing like a spiritualist remembrance of the dead and trying to contact them. And the church gets so mad about this that they essentially start to like condemn spiritualism, you know, saying that it's unchristian. Um, but Doyle doesn't care. He renounces Christianity and he basically becomes a worldwide leader and advocate for spiritualism. And he does this for the rest of his life. 
So like I said, he already believed, and this is the guy that came up with Sherlock Holmes. This is the crazy twist to me. He comes up with Sherlock Holmes, this detective that's all based on reason, and then he goes into spiritualism. Just goes from, I mean, he still definitely is a very logically thinking man, but everyone needs an outlet. Everyone needs to lose their logic every now and then, right? Yeah, well, that's why we have the Modellos. We're not... Yeah, we're just losing our brain power slowly <laughs> every day. Um, but it, it's really interesting, too, because I, I... So there's actually still... I sent you on that recording of him, and he talks about spiritualism. And he says that he mm-hmm. believes it to be true because he's seen things and felt things. You know, he's heard voices, he's felt things touch him, he's seen all sorts of crazy stuff. Of course, come to find out, a lot of these spiritualists are faking it. So, you know, I'm kind of led to believe now that, like, Doyle wanted to believe it was true. Absolutely. Like, he's a man of science, and he wants to believe there's a higher power than him, he wants to believe there's another plane of existence, and then when his son dies, he just, like, refuses to believe that all of this is fake, essentially. Um... You know, it's a little sad. I think it's a little sad, especially thinking about, like, the, the death and everything. Uh, but he does have some fun in his life. I mean, he still has his, uh, his wife that he loves, Jeannie. He has some fun. He becomes friends with the little guy you guys might know named Harry Houdini. Now, when you hear mm-hmm. of Houdini, who do you think of? What do you think of? Escape artist. Exactly, right. I think of... He was put underwater and coffins houdini was also really big on uh like mind over matter stuff as well i know that he would stress that in his acts with which also if you're doing magic tricks you may tell that to an audience but i believe that he was one of those people that was like meditating about a escape a death-defying escape beforehand and Oh, I'm sure. I mean, who knows? Just thinking he was a bulletproof. Well, I think he was definitely super cocky, but he really hated he it was kind of weird. He was he later in life become this become this huge critic of spiritualism. Um, I, I better tell the story. It helps if I tell the story about Houdini. So, of course, Austin's right. Austin's putting his Sherlockian skills to the test. Houdini is a famous escape artist. He's essentially a musician, uh, a musician, a magician back in the day. Um, he becomes friends with Doyle. Doyle kind of thinks he's magical. Like this guy, he might be connected to the spiritual world because he's able to do all this. Houdini denies it. He says, everything I do is tricks, basically. I just know how to get out of stuff. I'm an escape artist. I'm not magical at all. Um, you know, and he might play it up. You know, Houdini will play it up a little bit. But he, he basically t- tells Doyle, it's not spiritual. I'm just really fucking good at what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're kind of still become friends. They, you know, they talk and whatever all the time. They, uh, they're still friends, but they fall out really badly one day. So Houdini's visiting Doyle in, uh, I believe he was living in London. Houdini visits Doyle in London and Doyle's wife, Jean, we talked about, uh, she claims to be able to write letters delivered from the spirit world. So she says, if I put my hand on the crystal Jean's ball, bluffing. She, Jean's like, if I drink, a half a pint of absinthe and I put my hand on the crystal mm-hmm. ball, I'll be able to write a letter from your dead mother. And she tells 
she tells Houdini this. Houdini says, okay, I guess I'll try it. And Doyle's wife writes out the letter from Houdini's dead mom, supposedly. However, the letter was written in English. And Houdini's mom only ever spoke Hungarian. She was a Hungarian Hungarian immigrant to America. Never even learned English. Only spoke Hungarian. So when Houdini sees this letter written in English, he's like, this is bullshit. Houdini accuses... He's like, okay, idiots, I've had enough of this. Don't bring the man's family into it. Come yeah, on, and no. he was really Houdini was very close with his mom, just like Doyle. So was Doyle, but Houdini was. I mean, it's just like if someone tried to tell you that that you could talk to your dead mom through them. It's like, what the fuck are you yeah. talking about? I'd be like, get the fuck out of my house. I was just, or I'd, if I was in their house, I would say, get the fuck out of your own house. <laughs> <Get the fuck. laughs> be- hey, be- believe the seltzers. You know it's serious. You know it's serious when you kick someone out of their own house, and sometimes it's warranted. In that situation, it is. I think I've been, I may have been kicked out of my own house by a woman once before, but that's only that's only that's only because I chose to leave because I didn't want to escalate the situation. All right, if you're listening, that's why that's why it happened. <laughs> so Houdini, Houdini is yeah, obviously so pissed off about bringing his mom into it. You brought the moms into it, you know. Yeah, it's basically like telling. Oh, it's basically like telling him that his mother is so fat that they launched satellites off of her butthole into orbit. Yep, can't be saying that now. It's an Elon joke, um, but you know he gets so mad they don't become <laughs> friends anymore. Uh, they really fall out, and for the rest of their life, Doyle and Houdini are like. These two like sparring people, sparring in the media, you know, they'll post letters to each other and they're constantly mentioned together for like 10 to 15 years. They're like constantly battling each other. Houdini becomes dedicated to exposing spiritualists as fraud, as frauds. Doyle defends it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes on for the rest of their life. At this point, Doyle actually writes a book. Doyle becomes a, like pretty much convinced that fairies exist, and he writes a book about fairies and their like daily lives. But he's he's writing it from a point of view of like this is this is a real yeah, thing. Yeah, it's real. Yeah, that's what he thinks. Um, so that sad. Yeah, it kind of goes in a weird direction, and I feel for him, and I kind of feel like he was just kind of an older guy who was just doubling down a little bit. Uh, he does do some pretty cool stuff. He does start this thing called the Crimes Club which is a private social club. He founded in actually 1903, and their purpose is to discuss crime, you know, detective work, criminals, everything. And it still continues to this day. It's called Our Society. It has a limited membership of 100 people, and they meet four times a year. Only four times? You would think that it would be more. So what are they presenting to each other? They don't know. All the proceeds, all the proceedings are strictly confidential. Yeah, it's secretive. Secret society. So, in my mind, I like to think that the crimes committee, instead of figuring out old crimes, they're thinking of crimes <laughs> to commit. Ice. Damn. Conspiracies. That would be the ultimate. Yeah, it's called the Crimes Club. You're right. That would be the ultimate, like... How meta. Yeah. The ultimate Sherlockian twist. So, he does all this, you know, obviously towards the end of his life. He's really into fairies and uh you know he's still very sharp and there's a video and i'll try to post a link to at least the audio on this podcast uh that knowledge which i have on psychic matters and spread it as far as i can to those who have been less fortunate but don't 
<clears throat> for one moment, suppose that I'm taking it upon myself to say that I am the inventor of spiritualism, or that I am even the principal exponent of it. There are many great mediums, many great psychical researchers, investigators of all sorts. All that I can do is to be a gramophone on the subject, to go about, to meet people face to face, to try and make them understand that this thing is not the foolish thing which is so often represented, but that it really is a great philosophy and, as I think, the basis of all religious improvement in the future of the human race. He's obviously still very sharp, uh, but he dies actually of a heart attack July 7th, 1930. The church refuses to let him be buried in the church graveyard because he was not a Christian. So he's initially buried in a rose garden until he's buried a few years later with uh, his first wife. So His first wife, not with Jeannie. Not with Jean. Well, I don't know what happened after that because she lived 10 years after. Jean lived 10 years after Doyle died. So I'm not really for sure. Maybe she was buried on the other side of him or something. You know, sometimes they'll do that. You, you can also assume that she may have found yeah. another lover and a quiet life that isn't really highlighted in the history books. Yeah, so often that happens. The ladies will move on, mm-hmm. listeners. The ladies will move not on. To get, not to get depressing with this. You should move on, too. If you're listening if you're, to this, you should if, move on, too. If you're, if you're worried about you're trying to hold on, don't do that. <laughs> Come on, now. No, it's time to... It, don't hold on. Pack it up. You know, you, the only the only thing where I want people to to hold on is if they're going to start a cult, like I was in ancient Rome. You can start a cult if you want to. Mm-hmm. They actually mentioned that recently, and that kind of weirded me out. So, oh, but seriously, I don't know if you guys, <laughs> yeah, and I was, I was like, huh? yeah. well, I don't know if I want you to. Not that I, like, not in a bad way. You know, but there are certain people that it would be cool if they started a cult, and certain people, you know, certain people shouldn't start cults. Well, Arthur Conan Doyle did, and it was just a simple cult of one hundred people. I don't even who knows what they're doing. They're probably just all like fucking each other and talking about crimes. <laughs> <laughs> they're bringing their like magic cards. Yeah, <laughs> they they meet four times in the year, and they're like, "Yes, I couldn't wait for this." And it's very secretive. No one. There's probably press outside taking pictures. What are they doing in there? They got briefcases. They open it up, and it's like they're just linking their po- <laughs> or their uh, their Game Boys and playing Pokemon against each other. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Everyone is just they don't even, they just message on the DS the whole time. They don't even talk about yeah. Talk about they don't even talk. They're just getting real sweaty. It's really smelly in that room. It is. And uh <laughs> it's really sweaty. Lots of good snacks though too. Yeah, a lot of good snacks, a lot of Mountain Dew. I'm trying to look up pictures of the crimes club. I'm just not seeing it. Maybe it's called something else. Maybe um, it's what I was line. thinking too is that is an interesting I mean, one thing Sam and I are a fan of is speaking to old people and seeing what their life was like it can uh it can get a little frustrating when you're talking to someone say at thanksgiving or christmas and they have such conflicting beliefs than you but it's nice to change the subject especially when you're just disagreeing with everything someone says 
just change the subject to something that is interesting to hear them talk about. So if your grandpa keeps going on about how the world, he's like, QAnon is right about everything, just go, wait, grandpa, randomly, but what was school like for you? I heard that kids used to get the head <laughs> kicked out of them. Hear, hear a few uh, stories from the old man about that. That would be cool. That's great advice. You know, anything really, like if they were in a war, or like survive, like ask them what they were doing during Vietnam. Now that'll be an, inter- that'll be an interesting bring- story. It brings an interesting level of like lucidity back as well, because yeah, the way conversation goes a lot, you're talking to someone, maybe they've had that conversation a million times, they're just wanting someone to take their viewpoint, but when you ask them a good question, like, Grandpa, who's your uh, who's your first love in college? Or do you have a professor that just really pissed you off? Or like, what was, what was the best bar to go to in... Uh, <laughs> That'll come back the to town him. your college was in. That'll come back to him. Yeah, and then suddenly you're having a decent conversation. The first love is a deep question to ask your grandfather. Yeah. He'd be like, yeah. I, God uh, knows how that's going to go. And, uh, what if what if he was like, it was actually that, a man? <laughs> I love how, um, like, love stories back in the day nowadays we call them all like creepy it's kind of it is definitely romantic but you couldn't you couldn't uh follow someone on facebook or instagram and have constant tabs on their life so instead they kind of like stalked people a little bit you'll hear your grandma saying something like oh he just kept asking me out showing up (laughs) some he showed up to my work and asked me out and went to my front doorstep and wouldn't leave till my daddy kicked him away and it's like Grandpa, you're kind of a creep, but they did it like that back then. Good for them. They still do it that way some today, but I think with social media, it's too easy to be. Like, it's too easy to know where people are. So instead of just, like, mm-hmm. going and asking you out, like, two or three times, it becomes, like, following you to your house or, like, yeah. going to the parking lot with you. <laughs> like, chasing yeah. you to the parking lot. It's so creepy. I don't understand the incels, guys. I just... I know it means involuntary, involuntarily celibate, but I feel like it's a whole, you know, it's a whole like subculture. Something that Sherlock, Com- mm-hmm. Sherlock Holmes himself needs to investigate. Absolutely. He'd go, it's probably because they're watching too much damn porn. <laughs> Get out there and talk to a woman, you idiot. Yeah. He'd be like, what are these stupid computers? These are ruining your life. Sherlock wouldn't even need to investigate. He'd go, right in front of your face this whole time <laughs> i'm reading about the society i'm having our fact checkers check out the society and i gotta tell you it's not looking that impressive let me show you the website austin have they solved any crimes uh, no this reminds me of uh it's a horrible it looks like website. a uh yeah it looks like a seven-year-old learned how to program html uh, yeah, that's interesting about this, Sherlock um, Holmes. If he this, lived in modern times, he'd probably be very good with computers. Totally. Um, Frank Abagnale Jr., the inspiration for Catch Me If You Can, he's still alive. He works for the FBI. Who knows what he does? But he's said multiple times that all of the crimes that he committed, uh, forging captains... IDs and flying planes around the country and writing false checks. He goes, 
it's much easier today. People think it's harder today, much easier with all of technology, which I, I kind of doubt, but simultaneously, I think it's easier to get like your mugshot out there, but at the same time doing these things. People also trust technology. I feel like it would be, if you could easily convince someone that their phone was telling them something, I mean, that's what our phones are doing. You know, they're telling you stuff all yeah. the time. And if you get like an alert on your phone or it looks like it's a really good, authentic looking thing, you might believe it. That, that um, you mentioned the crime society or the crime club reminds me of recently there was a, a private club or organization full of detectives, ex-detectives, ex police officers and maybe uh, former FBI and they were like super confident that they found out who the Zodiac killer was. Do you remember that? Yeah. I don't think it, it broke during like COVID. It was very recent and I, I just watched Zodiac with um the Hulk. What's his face? Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Ruffalo. Great movie and the Zodiac killer still isn't Still hasn't been found. In my opinion, it was probably multiple people. That's just my expert opinion. That's why there's so many people that it seems like it's pinned on them, but they are they don't connect to every single scene. And that's not a unique opinion. But there was this club or group of people that found out a man or they like uncovered a man who they like were definitive. This is the Zodiac killer. It's really interesting that people just meet up and talk about crimes. I wish it happened in my neighborhood. My longboard just got stolen. They do. I, I didn't even ride people. it. I bought it from a friend when I was on vacation. I bought it from Tanner. Oh, shit. And it got stolen right from a damn stairwell. It was just sitting out there? I wish the crime system... Yeah. I mean, it was sitting out there, but the door's supposed to be no, locked. No, I mean, like, it was... I may have been walking... Was it sitting on the top, like, the level? It wasn't, like, by the door? It was like mid-level, yeah. What the fuck? Someone, so someone walked into my house yeah. and took it, which is a little creepy, but Possibly I don't a neighbor. think it's... Yeah, I, I've meant to ask them. I won't be uh, rude about yeah. it or anything. I'll just be like, yo, you guys been cruising lately, boys? <laughs> at least get some use out of it, you yeah, know? Yeah, like at least <laughs> drive it down the street. All right, well, we've solved several crimes here. We'll, I'll wrap it up real quick. We've solved the mystery... Of uh, the Zodiac Killer. We solved the mystery of the raccoon in the apartment. But we haven't mm -hmm. really quite solved uh, the mystery of Arthur Conan Doyle yet. But, um, you know, people are always doing, people are always investigating, like those, those cops. Maybe someone, like some of these people who go to the Pokemon shows, the Pokemon conventions, maybe they'll figure it out. Or maybe we will. Maybe a listener will figure out the mysteries. If you mm -hmm. guys find the the answer to the question of life, the mysteries of life, please, we'd love to have you on the show. The truth is out there. Thank you all. Enjoy your beers that you're hopefully drinking. Yeah. And have a good one. Stay cozy. Stay cozy. Stay cozy.